Welcome to the Wellsteading Podcast. This is episode 177. Today is February 28th, 2016. I'm your host, John Pugliano. I'm also the founder and money manager at InvestableWealth.com. Today's episode is different than anything we've ever done here in the Wellsteading Podcast. This episode is specifically for ladies and also for smart men. Let's go, girls. What we're going to talk about today is cubic zirconias versus diamonds. Now, this is a topic that I meant to get in at the end of last year. I just didn't get around to it. It's probably going to be a shorter episode than normal. I'll tell you the origin of how this came about. This is not something I ever thought about talking about. But last year, I did get a request from several ladies in the audience that wanted me to address wealth building skills and investments as it would relate to a woman. Now, initially, I was a little bit hesitant to do that, and here's my reasoning. Wealth-building principles are simply principles, and they work for men or for women. You'll often see the media trying to you know, focus on particular groups. They'll talk about investing for millennials or investing for women. I think that's all a bunch of hua. They do that just to get people's attention. As far as I'm concerned, money doesn't discriminate. It flows to where it's treated best. And you know the well-studying principles. There's no get-rich-quick schemes that work. It's about hard work and discipline and being smart and using critical thinking skills. You first have to learn to earn an income, and then you have to have the discipline to save it. And then and only then, you can learn about investing and, and put that money to work for you. And that's whether you're putting it in a real estate or the stock market or your own business or whatever it is. You can't put the horse before the cart. And while you probably have heard me relate investing principles to certain categories, for example, there's uh, you know some episodes out there where I talked about wealth building principles from a prepper perspective. I also have a really good article or blog post on investing for the ham radio operator. Uh, incidentally, I think that's one of the best things I've ever written, and it is really brilliant. Not enough people take advantage of that. If you are a high-frequency ham radio operator, you should read that article. I'll put a link that will direct you to that in today's show notes. The reason that I've sometimes covered investing or wealth-building principles from a different perspective, it isn't that money flows to men or women differently or to upper-middle class or lower-middle class differently or anything like that. I've written and talked about some of these things from different perspectives not because it's the principles that are different, but it's because your perceptions are different. And so what I'm trying to do is help people think more logically and develop critical thinking skills so that they can learn about these simple wealth building principles. Incidentally, if you haven't heard them before, go back, listen to the first 10 episodes of this podcast. That's where I lay out my foundation about wealth building principles. If you get nothing out of today's episode other than the fact of realizing that money goes or money flows to where it's treated best, then you've learned something and you know more than most people in the population. You see, wealth-building principles apply equally to Caitlyn and Bruce Jenner, and they apply to Kim Kardashian just like they would to Kanye West. Well, that was probably hyperbole for effect. I was exaggerating. They probably don't apply to Kanye. But for most people, wealth-building principles apply to everybody. doesn't matter about your race, your sex, whether you're in the upper or the lower 1%. Money flows to where it's treated best. So as far as today's topic, I was apprehensive at first about talking about specific investing or wealth-building issues that relate to women. 
but I got a number of requests on it. And so as I'm always interested to listen to the audience and react to your concerns, I talked to a number of ladies and I asked them what was on their mind and what their concerns were. And you know what? None of their concerns or their questions or anything was really any different than you would get from a man with one exception. And that one question that I heard from women that I never heard from men was what did I think about diamonds versus cubic zirconias? Well, to tell you the truth, I'd never thought about it. So I took some time, I researched the topic, and here's what I think about it. Well, before I tell you what I think about it, let me set this question up a little bit more too. You see, the women that were asking me about this fell into, say, one of three general categories. They were either women that were in the medical field, they were women that traveled a great deal on business, you know, some type of a business professional or a woman in a consulting or a sales role where they're spending a lot of time traveling on business and in many cases traveling outside the country, or they were women that worked a great deal with their hands. And that's everything from gardeners to massage therapists, you know, to mechanics. And although these women are in different career fields and uh, different backgrounds, really what their question revolved around was the fact that in most cases they had a really good diamond, and this was something that their husbands had bought for them or they'd bought for themselves, whatever it was. It was just a really nice ring, and they were concerned about losing it or getting it stolen. Think about this in terms of, of someone that's in the medical profession, whether they're a doctor, a nurse, physical therapist, massage therapist, you know, whatever. Even though they're not necessarily using their hands in a, in a real physical manner, like someone that would be an auto mechanic or a gardener, think about what they are doing. Throughout the day, they're constantly washing their hands and they're repetitively putting on and taking off latex gloves. And particularly with putting on and removing the gloves, a lot of women are concerned that that constant force on the facets of their ring are going to cause the diamond to come loose and they'll lose it. That makes a lot of sense. Again, that's something that I hadn't thought of. And so they have this beautiful diamond ring or this beautiful jewelry. They want to wear it. They want to show it off. But at the same time, right, they have a well-studying mindset. They don't want to lose it or have it get washed down the drain or fall off in an emergency room and then not be able to find it. So this is a really viable question. And again, this would apply to, you know, women in other professions. The businesswoman that's constantly traveling, eh, she's not going to lose it as much. It isn't that she's wearing rubber gloves, but what is she doing? She's in and out of hotel rooms. Sometimes she's very rushed or very hurried. She may take off a ring in the hotel room, you know, to sleep that night or to, to wash her hands and things, forget to put it back on. She doesn't want to lose a $5,000 wedding ring in a hotel room. Or she's traveling to parts of the country or other parts of the world that are not very safe. And again, she wants to look good, she wants to show off her jewelry, but at the same time, she doesn't want to get mugged or she doesn't want to get it taken away from her. She doesn't want to be a victim of crime. Or if she is, she at least wants to lose something that not only doesn't have a great deal of monetary value, but it also wouldn't have sentimental value. So that takes me to the question of what do I think about the value of wearing a cubic zirconia versus wearing your real diamond ring? Well, I think it makes a great deal of sense especially because the quality of these diamonds, these fake diamonds, these cubic zirconia, or sometimes there are other, other types of material, they're called other things, but basically we're talking about a fake manufactured diamond. Well, the quality is so good that really the way you tell the difference between a real diamond and a fake diamond is that the real diamond has imperfections. And so while years ago it might be easy to tell a fake diamond, that's not the case today. 
And so, yes, if you're a woman that travels a great deal, you're worried about losing or having your, your diamond rings stolen, or you're someone that works with your hands, you know, you're constantly washing them or taking on and off rubber gloves, you don't want that stone to fall out, by all means, I would encourage you to go online or go to your jeweler and start looking for a synthetic diamond that looks very much like the ring that you love and that you want to show off. No one's going to know the difference. The key point in making this work is that the diamond is going to look good one way or the other. What really is, makes the difference is the setting that it's in. So if you put a fake diamond in a good quality gold band, well, it's going to look just like a real diamond ring. If you put a fake diamond in a cheesy fake base metal, well, it's not going to look as good. So if you're in the market for a cubic zirconi or some type of a synthetic fake diamond, make sure you're buying a quality good gold ring to have it set in. And this is not going to be cheap, right? We're not talking about a $20 ring. You know, you're probably talking about spending at least $1,000, maybe more. But I know the rocks that some of you ladies are wearing. You're walking around with something in the neighborhood of, you know, five to $15,000, maybe more on your finger. If you can ensure that by getting a simulated ring for, you know, $1,500 that looks very much like that real ring, then I think that's money good spent. It, it's basically insurance. You're paying a relatively small premium to protect your long-term investment. So keep the real diamond ring in a safety deposit box somewhere. Wear the fake ring. That's what I suggest. I think it's a great idea. And in fact, I think it's such a good idea that I'd take it to the next level. You might have heard me talk uh, in some of the earlier podcasts. I don't think I brought this up in a while, but I always like looking for the extremes. I like taking things out to the limit. That's why I'm always looking for anomalies and things that are different. So if we take this idea all the way out to the limit, why buy a cubic zirconia just to wear in place of your diamond ring so you don't have as much of a loss should the ring be stolen or damaged or lost or whatever? I mean, let's take that all the way out to the far extreme and say, why buy cubic zirconia to simulate your real ring when you can just buy cubic zirconia to begin with? Now, I know a lot of you ladies right now are thinking, John, you're off the reservation. You're thinking like a man. You're not thinking like a woman. This is sentimental. This is a emblematic of our loving relationship. Hey, that's all mumbo jumbo. Come on. Diamond rings were created by Madison Avenue and De Beers Diamonds as a marketing gimmick to get you to buy expensive jewelry it doesn't represent your love, your husband's commitment, or any of that BS. My paternal grandmother was married for something like, I don't know, 75 years to the same man. She never owned a diamond wedding ring. They were poor. She could never afford it. My maternal grandmother, you know, likewise. She was probably married for something like 50 years. And if I recall correctly, I think the way the story goes is that she didn't get her diamond ring until maybe something like their 40th wedding anniversary. My grandfather bought her a diamond ring at that time because they were married during the Depression. They were just young kids when they got married, and then they started a family, and, you know, life happened, and they didn't have money to waste on diamond rings. And so it was many, many decades down the road before my grandmother actually got one is when their life was comfortable and they had the extra income that they could afford to spend on nice jewelry. Their love wasn't based on a diamond ring, and I don't think yours should be either. So I'm just throwing this out there as an idea, but honestly, if I were about to be engaged, I would definitely be looking at a cubic zirconia or some type of synthetic diamond ring that, again, that it was set in a very nice gold setting. It'll cost you probably 25% or less of, of the real purchase price of a diamond. 
No one's going to know the difference. I mean, think of it in these terms. If you could go out and buy a $65,000 Lexus, or you could buy a $30,000 Kia, and they both looked identical. I mean identical. It didn't have a Kia, a Kia logo. You know, it had a Lexus logo, and everything about it inside and out looked exactly like the Lexus, and it performed the same, and it had the same reliability. And the only difference, one was built by Lexus, one was built by Kia, and the Kia cost you half as much. Why would you buy the Lexus? No one would know. Why would you care? It's a commodity at that point. And so, hey, maybe I'm just a cheapskate, but I'd go for the cubic zirconia. In any case, that's my two cents. I'd encourage you to build your relationships on love and not on diamond rings. And so there you have it. This is our first ever Wellsteading episode dedicated exclusively to the ladies. <laughs>